Hello, and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 119, Cyber Taylorists of the World Unite! I'm one of those cyber tailorists. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today are my fellow cyber tailorists, Matthew Stubblefield <laughs> and Brenda Burrell. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Brenda. Welcome to the cyber tailor community. It has long been my dream to be introduced as such. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I had never read that phrase before today and uh, not a huge fan. But, you know, we'll get to that at the end of the episode. Let's, uh, let's maybe start a bit lighter in the clouds. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's nice and fluffy in the clouds with a, a relatively slow series of updates for the past two weeks. But as usual, we should take a look and we'll start uh, on the broadest. We'll start at the big picture with the cloud platform where Atlassian is advising everyone follow their best practices for security guidelines. So if you go to admin.atlassian.com, you will have a checklist that you can go through to um, ensure that you are following Atlassian's recommended best security practices. If you don't see that from the dashboard, you can go into security and best practices. It's a checklist for you to walk through and make sure that you are um, keeping your Atlassian cloud space nice and secure. Also for the overall cloud platform, if you did, the, do you guys know that the cloud platform includes sandboxes? We used to call them yes. development instances. Okay, yep. well, if you're out there using Atlassian Cloud and you didn't know this, maybe it was just me. However, that being said, Atlassian has changed the wait time for production data to make it over to a sandbox. You're actually able to trigger uh, a, a data move yourself. Uh, you can just go into your sandbox instance, click select copy production data, and it will start immediately. I can't possibly see that ever going wrong for anyone. Well, it is nice because it used to be you had to submit a support ticket to Atlassian uh, to, to work with these things, which you know would introduce delays and um, a lot of people just weren't aware of it. So making this more self-service, I think, is really nice. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the Jira platform, we've got some news for the roadmap now with current and future sprints. Instead of having to context switch and do some extra clicks, you're going to see the current and future sprints in your roadmap, introducing an extra layer of context that allows you to manage and understand the connection between your epics and sprints. Uh, they also say that it looks good, so uh, I will let you be the judge of that, dear listeners. Also for the roadmap, there is a new version and data filter. This allows you to refine what you're seeing in the roadmap to only see issues assigned to a specific version and track your team's releases at scale. For company-managed Jira software projects, the features page has been demystified. So project administrators, when you go into the features page under project settings, you'll get a seamless experience with your project planning, development, and operations functions by turning on or turning off what features you want from a single page. You know who can't do that? Anyone on Jira Work Management? So if you're using Jira Work Management, which I've just started exploring and I love, you've got a company-managed project, and customizing it beyond a certain extent, it just ain't happening. Brian, what kind of customizations are you wanting to make? What is team management preventing you from doing? Um, changing how the project works. 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking to like make Jira do things it's not supposed to do. I want to configure my issue types. I want to configure my fields and screens. I want to configure my workflow. I want a team managed project with Jira work management features. And yeah, I'm not getting it. So Atlassian, if you think that the business teams that are using the Jira work management project are not total idiots and can use Jira themselves, give them the option to tailor their projects. It would make my life so much easier and rant. I mean, it's all about you. Counterpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Counterpoint. Um, And this is getting, it's like we're getting into vast assumption territory here, but (laughs) If I put my if I put my my sort of project management high level hat on, Jira software targeted at agile teams by definition self organizing teams. It's all about you know that five or seven people plus or minus two. You can't compare one team to another team. Their philosophy is different. Everything's you know separate. Fine. Um, work management though, that that core thing that that business thing. Um, not necessarily targeted at self-organizing teams. And we have talked extensively about, you know, one of the challenges in Jira with everybody being able to create their own statuses and, and workflows and custom fields and everything like that is it makes rollup and imp- reporting kind of impossible. So I wonder if this lack of configuration available in a team managed product uh, project and Jira work management is to help address that. It's to recognize if you're a software team, Atlassian assumes that you are self-organizing. And if you're not a software team, Atlassian assumes you are not self-organizing, that it's a more of a top-down, you know, hierarchical, traditional structured project. I, you know, you are right. Everything you said there seems that it rings true. That being said, agile's everywhere, baby. We're agile marketers these days. We're agile hey, HR hey. specialists. We're agile, baby. We're, we're, we're changing with the Have flow. You- have you considered making a software project then? I have. <laughs> but there are but this is the this is the whole thing. I have. However, for my team's use case, the elements that Jira work management brings in from both Jira software and Jira work management are absolutely essential to how my team operates. And Not then sure, yeah. you add in you add in the um like the Gantt chart, the calendar and the spreadsheet like editing capabilities oh, and you yeah, start to yeah. really you mm. like i've shown this to some people on my marketing team and we're getting way off topic so i'm going to wrap it up quick but i've shown this to people on the marketing team and they're all like slack jawed agape at how impressive it is just let me change it just let me make it work mm-hmm. i understand that this is not going to be the case everywhere and you're not always going to have a jira nerd on your your business team right at least give us the option. You are going to exp- you're going to uncover more Jira nerds than you know. They exist. There are project managers out there who go in and code their spreadsheets to death. They would love the front end of Jira. So if anyone is listening, let the teams have their projects. Give me that sweet, sweet control. Thank you very much. And now back to your regularly scheduled updates. We're still on the Jira platform. 17 years later, Control-F will take you directly to search. All right. When you are in a team-managed project, which is not my project, you can hit Control-F when you're viewing the border backlog, and that'll take you directly to the optimized search field. 
you're also now going to be able to update issues without opening them in search results. And this is, a, this is one that I looked at and saw, oh, this is a Matthew trick. This is something Matthew's going to like. It's select is- you can select issues in your project sidebar. You run a search, switch to list view, boom, you can edit them all from the dropdowns, including the statuses. So if you go and you hover over an issue row, it'll pop up a little uh, ellipse menu, get in and get going. I'm, I'm all here. I'm here for it. So that's bringing a Jira work management function out to Jira software. Now give me that team managed project. And then for the quote unquote new issue view, you'll be able to view an Epic's details without leaving the issue view. So you don't need to open another tab or anything to find out more about an Epic that an issue is related to. Just hover your mouse over it and you'll see all that information. Love that connecting context. And finally, in the cloud, Confluence. I think we've talked about this before, but Atlassian has put a new this week icon on the advanced roadmaps for Jira plan macro. So it looks like that macro keeps getting updated. You're able to now post advanced roadmaps into Confluence pages directly through this macro. Um, I'm fairly certain we've covered it, but it looks like they've updated it to, to select what variables you want to show and how they, they want to be shown. And finally, in Confluence... For your mobile devices, last episode, we covered the new version of Confluence Cloud. And now in that new version of Confluence Cloud on your mobile device, you'll have a convenient undo and redo button in the editor. You could just shake your device to undo, but now you've got a button for it. So however you want to undo or redo, this is how you can do what you want to do. For those of you like Ryan who are using Etch-A-Sketch thinking it's Confluence... (laughs) A shake tip. It's important. Matthew's work here is done. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. to record anymore. I'm just going to go get some aloe and I'll see aloe you guys next time. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Wow. from the uh, uh, platforms and powers that power the cloud, Atlassian has announced through their blog uh, general availability of their cloud app development platform. This comes from Mike Tria, the head of platform, titled Forge Powers Next Generation App Development for Atlassian Cloud. And we've been talking about Forge for uh, a couple of years now. As a reminder for those of you who are not developers or are unfamiliar with it, cloud apps to date have largely been developed using a platform called Connect. Uh, these apps, uh, built by you know, solution developers and, and third-party vendors and whatnot, uh, every everybody who wants to launch a cloud app has to spin up a bunch of cloud architecture. So often, a lot of people do this on Amazon Web Services or somewhere else. And very quickly, uh, this raised a challenge from a number of businesses where they said, okay, Atlassian, it's great that you're trying to improve security, but the way that you've sort of architected your apps for cloud means that my data is being accessed and potentially shipped to third-party servers for doing calculations or returning, you know, reports or whatever. Uh, So there's a a big security issue, you know, with connect, like, you know, potential security issue Um, by and large, the, the app vendors all go through a vetting and onboarding process. You know, your, your data is, it's not that it's insecure. Those servers 
that the things are being run on, you know, have their own security reviews. Uh, but for a lot of enterprises, they want to know that, you know, I'm paying Atlassian and I want my server, my data to sit on Atlassian servers. And I want to know that the app is doing everything in as secure a manner as possible. And that's hard for Atlassian to certify in the connect world. Thus Forge. Uh, so Forge has been under development for a couple of years. It has now reached general availability. App developers can start building with it. Uh, this, this blog post, I think, is mostly targeted at non-developers. Um, there's a lot about development here, but its, it's goal, I think, is to uh, communicate to cloud admins kind of what Forge is and the value that you get out of it. Um, so even though it's, it's got titles like, you know, uh, more apps supporting enterprise-grade security for customers and going through the control and showing screenshots and videos of um, uh, some code and whatnot. It does highlight a few apps that are already using Forge. Uh, even though it talks about starting building with it, it's really targeted at making, I think, customers more comfortable with the idea of apps being built on Forge, and therefore it's safer to migrate to cloud. That said, uh, the article's... <laughs> Very, very positive, very glowing. The number of apps currently built with Forge, relatively small, especially compared to the entire marketplace. And there's still a lot of limitations for Forge. So even though it has reached general availability, uh, there's a lot of apps, particularly the sort of largest, most installed, most used apps in the marketplace uh, that cannot currently migrate to Forge. Uh, it doesn't have the support for it you know, through the API and, and, and through the architecture and whatnot. A lot of vendors are working with Atlassian to uh, extend what Forge can do. And the end result is going to be that developers don't have to run that cloud architecture anymore. Um, Atlassian will be running it for them. So this decreases cost for the developers, uh, or at least should do. Uh, certainly decreases the effort needed because building and maintaining a cloud infrastructure uh, is hard and time consuming. Um, particularly with the data residency requirements that have been coming in over the last few years and with GDPR. All of that is super hard to manage. So it should make it a lot easier for startups to get into the app development space. And it makes it easier for Atlassian to uh, get like SOC 2 or ISO security compliance and certification uh, for the full stack, including apps. So good news um, you know, for the, for the admins out there, if you're already on cloud, uh, you know, hopefully this will result in more speed, more stability, more security, potentially in the long run. Uh, if you're an enterprise who's been thinking about cloud, this is probably very relevant to you because we are going to see more forge adoption in the future, which improves security and reliability. Um, but we don't know how quickly, uh, I, my guess is it's going to be a few years before forge, uh, can support, uh, some of these larger apps that are out there. A smallish update, Confluence 7.12.2, um, releasing two issues that really, I think, are mostly aimed at system admins. One is the log JMX metrics job. Cannot find the jmx-log.config.json file, and so no JMX metrics are being logged into the log files. If any of those words made sense to you, this update is of interest to you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair to that thing that couldn't find those files, you know, I couldn't find them either. So Yes, could not find them. 
Um, so that has been resolved in 7.12.2 um, and also an issue where handy macro, if included in the page property macro header, uh, would not render properly and it would throw a massive uh, Java exception. Um, so that is also resolved in 7.2.12. Atlassian had pushed a fix in 7.12.1, um, had to make some additional updates. Um, so if either of those things are afflicting your instances, um, go ahead and take a look at the release notes for 7.12.2. Um, those are fixed for you. And uh, other than that, it's a fairly late news day in the Confluence on-prem world. I think a lot of us who've gone through 2020, the multiple times that we've gone through 2020, <clears throat> have turned to retail therapy at one point or another. We've done some shopping, right? One and point or another <laughs> daily thing. <laughs> well, if you are one of those people who go shopping on the Atlassian marketplace, and let's be honest, you're not. <laughs> you <laughs> but if you do go to the Atlassian marketplace, there will be significant updates coming, and they have given everyone who follows the developer community a sneak peek into the new app listing page. So if you go to the link, which we'll of course include in the show notes, you can see a sick GIF, a hot GIF alert for the new marketplace listing page. Now, as Matthew pointed out before the we started recording today's episode, Really, what this all comes down to is making sure that the marketplace is strong and secure for the future. So, yes, the new look is nice. It puts information in front of you. But what's it really all about? Stability. The new look is kind of nice. They're actually, so this is a community post, so you'll be able to read all the comments on it. There are a lot of people who are dissatisfied with it because it results in a lot of scrolling. Uh, and on our Slack, several people have complained that the type of information they look for in a marketplace post is now really far down the page. Um, so some some vendors are not happy with it. Um, some probably don't care. Uh, I, I definitely see some benefits, but I'm, I, I'm of a mixed mind until I can see more than a GIF. Uh, there is not really a full preview available yet. Uh, one of the links that we can also share goes down to an FAQ that was just posted yesterday. Uh, so it is currently Tuesday, June 8th, when we're recording this. Uh, Atlassian finally responded with an extensive... Oh, now I'm going to it. It's five days ago. Sorry, y'all. Uh, but it's the last week they posted this FAQ. Um, answering why they're doing this. And, and as Ryan said, one of the reasons they point to was that uh, for those of you who you know do have to deal with the marketplace somewhat regularly... Uh, there were some significant outages last year. We had at least a couple of incidents where nobody could buy apps for like a week at a time. Um, there was a, another one later in the year where vendors couldn't uh, get to it, but users still could, or like customers still could. Um, so part of why they're making the changes is to address this, to, to make sure that you know users don't have this type of downtime. And they highlight that during a major incident in August 2020, users were still able to get to the marketplace listings. They don't mention all the impacts on the vendors and they were extensive in August, um, but at least users were able to get to it. So the FAQ I think is really good. It does have some very long screenshots. You can see how much scrolling is going to be here, but also the images are larger, which I, I do kind of like. Um, for marketplace vendors, if, uh, if that's you, no changes needed to your listing. And uh, as everything with Elastic goes, this will be rolling out slowly starting the 14th of June, 2021. Uh, 
it's got a sort of a percent rollout through the 13th of July. So we'll go start with 5%, eventually get to 100%. That's percent of users who are viewing it. So at any given time, you know, 5% of users will see it on the 14th of June and just sort of through an automated process as we get closer to the 13th of July, eventually 100% of users will see the new view. This is not A-B testing, they point out. Um, this isn't about rolling back because it's a major infrastructure change. It's just to make sure there aren't like negative impacts because they could always pause the rollout, fix those things, then continue it. If you go to that this page, you'll notice that uh, Team Titans guest Nick Muldoon is a, a frequent commenter. And uh, what Nick has to say is just brilliant. So yeah, get ready to shop at the new marketplace, everybody. Uh, another massive new thing coming from Atlassian. Uh, Atlassian University is getting a total overhaul this summer. Um, this has already been underway for uh, a few weeks. Uh, there was a really good webinar a couple weeks ago for Atlassian training partners where they talked at length about it. Um, and we're going to link to a couple of posts in the community. The first one, Building a Better Atlassian University for You. Uh, talks about this new learning experience. Uh, the long and short of it is that the learning management system that Atlassian uses, they're replacing. Um, so they, they've been using one for a few years. Uh, they were really strong with the reporting out of it, for one thing. Um, the, the way it did reporting wasn't very good. Uh, for the customer experience, it was kind of mixed. It was sort of limited in some of the utilities that it offered. Um, so starting on June 17th, the new look and experience will be unveiled. Um and then it'll run through July 15th when the old site will be retired and everybody will be on the new site. Uh, if you're familiar with this, you're probably used to going to Atlassian.com slash training. Uh, that will be going away. If I recall correctly, it's um, going to be Atlassian.com slash university, though it may be going to a subdomain of university.atlassian.com. I don't recall. Uh, but keep an eye on these pages. You can follow them since they're also community posts. Uh, and at the exact same time as this, uh, Atlassian has had a Jira app for a few years now called Training for Jira. Uh, this this has had you know uh, ups and downs over the last couple of years. Uh, we're going a few things, um, but Atlassian decided to pull it from the marketplace uh, a month or two ago, and uh, I think it was just about a month ago. All of the content that was in Training for Jira they made free on their website, um, and then July one. Uh, they've just announced on the, the marketplace uh, last week. Uh, actually, so I'm looking at this. They've updated it. So there's like a community post dated March 31. Um, but they they just made changes to say the new app will come out July 1. And I think that was just really announced this week. Because um, we didn't really have a date for it. It was just later this summer there will be a new version of the app. Uh, it will be called Training for Jira. Um uh, and if I recall correctly, let's see, you can get a 30-day trial uh, for it starting July 1. They don't have a marketplace listing for it yet. So we don't know official pricing. We don't know content. The free content that Atlassian, like the content that Atlassian made free, we know some of that is actually going to be going away. It's being deprecated and will we'll go away. Um, we also... Why is that? <laughs> let's not get into it. Um but uh, we know that this has no impact on the paid content. So like all of the traditional Atlassian University, the longer courses, that's a totally separate thing from training for Jira. 
Um, there will be some new content in the Train for Jira app. We, we have not seen it yet. It's like beginner level Jira and Confluence training. Um, so I, I can tell you uh, with my team making a, uh, on a you know, uh, full disclosure competing app called Learn for Jira, uh, we're very anxious to see what this new thing looks like. Um, <laughs> we've asked the last number of questions and got very few responses, but uh, I will find out in less than a month uh, uh, what it is. So um, yeah, July, 2021, all new training for Jira app. Very few details, but again, you can watch the, uh, the community posts to get notified uh, as we get closer to July, if you like. Now, this might be a little bit too much inside baseball, but all three of us have been involved in the Atlassian training program mm-hmm. f- at one, in one degree or another for years. And so this is really interesting to see. I mean, we're not going to go full in, but I, I am interested to see how the, the team responds to market challenges, including learn. Yeah. Because Learn showed that content could be made in a totally different way. There's, so what are they going to do? Where are they going to take it? A lot about lasting training that I'm really keen to see what happens over the next year. Um, because, you know, <laughs> this is a, a sort of additional thing. But in years past, training was a really big part of uh, Atlassian Summit, the conference. And then, you know, we, we had some transition to online. Um, this most recent one, Team 21, didn't really have a training component uh, at all. And uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, how much of, of training will happen in the future. Um, behind the scenes, uh, we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, but the Atlassian University team is almost entirely different uh, from when Ryan Brennan and I used to have more interactions with them. I, I in particular, I uh, was pretty close with the, the AU team, um, was out in San Francisco pretty regularly, had lunch with them on multiple occasions, was in the office frequently, uh, and almost everybody I knew and the last university team is gone now. And because of the pandemic, it means I, I haven't had an opportunity to meet any of the new people. Um, so uh, if you are on the AU team or you're in the San Francisco office and know some of them, uh, feel free to poke them to, to reach out to me. I have tried to connect with a few on LinkedIn. I haven't always gotten a response. Uh, you, know, you don't necessarily have a corporate directory, mm-hmm. um, but would love to, to start talking to them because there's a lot of change going on. Uh, in the AU space, and really keen to see where Atlassian heads with that because their portfolio keeps growing, the types of users using Atlassian keeps growing. Like there's some big training challenges there, uh, and uh, I'm I'm keen to see how they respond to it and where they're going to go next. And in the world of Trello. Um, So those of you that may have been using Trello for a while are familiar with Teams. Um, What is a team, you may be asking? A team is simply a container for multiple boards that fit within a similar theme. They provide a way to give multiple people access to multiple boards without having to invite them to each board individually. Um, But that has sort of generated an expectation that a a group of boards must be used by a group of people. not really necessary. Trello teams could be a single person and have boards that are private. Um, so Trello has decided to address that expectation by changing the terminology of team to workspace. Um, with this change, Trello is going to require that all boards must exist within a workspace. So it's possible right now that you have boards that don't. Um, they will be prompting users to migrate any boards not currently in a workspace with a provided migration wizard. Uh, which will guide users to move personal boards into existing or new workspaces. 
Um, all users can choose to move personal boards into workspaces um, manually or let Trello migrate them automatically. And if you've been using Trello, you've probably seen in the last month or so a banner across the top of the screen that says, hey, this is going to be migrated to a workspace on such and such date. Um, being the lazy human that I am, I just allowed that to happen. And uh, yeah, yeah. So um, just be aware if you're not already that that is in progress. Um, so team, the team terminology for Trello is changing to workspace. Um, and you can continue to have, you know, boards that are not shared with anyone, groups of people, et cetera. We're just changing the terminology and requiring um, that all boards be within a workspace. Ryan, you have thoughts. I do. I just think they, they, you know, I got into Trello way early, way early. Like I've been using Trello for ages and I loved it. I was so excited when Atlassian bought it. I'm just, I, I am frustrated by the, the way they handled user management and all those changes and all those, but I still love Trello. What a, that's all. That's yeah. my thoughts. I don't like I this, mean, but it's similar fun. to Brenda. I was lazy and just let it migrate my boards. I had assumed it would I don't know what I assumed. I guess I assumed it would work. Um, and then as I mean, your boards were in workspace. It is in a workspace. Uh, as we started this podcast, I decided to take a look and went, oh, it's migrated a combination of personal and work and hobby boards all into a workspace for a nonprofit that I work with. That's unexpected. Uh, I don't know where it got the idea that one of my work boards, an adaptivist board, should be in that nonprofit as opposed to a workspace that has the exact same name as that board, adaptivist. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess it's on me that I've been ignoring it. I'll definitely go make some changes now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I, here, here's what I want to know, and they don't really address this. And uh, if you are the Trello PM, uh, one, thanks for listening. Nice to have you here. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised or horrified. It's one or the other. Um, I really want to know what the problem to be solved is. Like what problem is workspace is solving? Like what was the impetus? What, you know, why, why was this needed? I, I'm not opposed to it necessarily. Um, and I could probably think up of a few potential problems to be solved, but I, I really wonder from the Trello PM or, or the program managers there, like, what led to this change? Well, one of the, the big things in this article that Brenda was talking about, the first thing that they say is that, well, the word team doesn't really apply to how people use Trello for some reason. Fine. So everywhere you would use the word team replace sure, it with sure, workspace, sure. and there you go. But that, but that doesn't, that doesn't but do they it had, for me. They, you <laughs> could have boards that weren't part of teams before. What, what's the necessity yeah, yeah. for making every board part of a workspace? Like, why is there have to be at least one then it's in a workspace. location? Like, that's what I wonder what problem is being solved there. My guess hmm. is um, that we're going to see uh, con- we're, we're going to continue to see more uh, emphasis and development of Trello as an enterprise tool as opposed to a personal tool. That's my guess, and that they're introducing standardization for that reason. Um, because this way, when somebody creates a board, it's immediately in a workspace, and that's going to make permissions management easier. It means you don't have to take the step of creating a workspace first. And licensing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind yeah. of speak to that a little bit, there is an FAQ at the bottom of the article, which we'll link to in the show notes, 
And the question is free workspaces have a 10 board limit. Does this mean I no longer have unlimited boards for free? The answer is no, you can create unlimited number of boards, but for every 10 boards, you have to create an additional free workspace. So my guess is that it has to do with intended licensing models for Trello moving mm. down the road. Ryan's face Good observation. is, is Again, pure torture. It's just the wrong, it's, it's just let me have Trello and build a, build a better Jira. Stop, stop, stop trying to make Jira Trello. Or stop trying to. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. Stop trying to make Trello into Jira. It's not Jira. It, come on, guys. Come on. I have two strong words. I mean, come on. And not to continue playing devil's advocate, but I suspect, Ryan, we aren't the target audience. I suspect the target audience are people who will give it lasting money. Honestly, I am never, I'm not the target audience for anything, man. Nobody sells to me anymore. Where's my advertising? (laughs) On that note, some possibly not great advertising for Atlassian. This is not advertising at all. Or maybe it is, but some PR for sure. Eh, no, no. I mean... We well, promised you a, a discussion of why we named the episode Cyber Taylorists of the World Unite. And I think we're there. I feel like we should also be upfront about it and say we are, we are not actually cyber taylorists. Uh, this comes from oh. an article in uh, the Jacobin Magazine, you know, Mag's website, by Ben Conway. Atlassian's vision for the future of work is a cyber taylorist nightmare. Uh, and if you're not immediately... Uh, familiar with that term, it's referring to Taylorism of scientific management. So this was a management style. Uh, Brenda, I don't know if you remember the year. I want to say it was late 1800s. Um, I, this guy, Taylor, he was... Yeah, 1880s, I think. Yeah, He was managing people who were moving bar stock, moving metal. Um, and he had the brilliant idea that, hey, uh, if I offer to pay them more money, Will they work faster? And the answer was yes. Uh, And that sounds very benign, um, but it led to this idea of rewards and punishments to manipulate worker uh, behavior and productivity. Uh, And um, so manipulating productivity, that's that's sort of what Ben Conway is on about uh, with this article. And he's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> he's just—he's wrong. It's, End of the episode. It's, if he—if he would have actually—that's <laughs> yeah, all we got. He just—he—he he says that that using Jira is going to give companies tools to to whip their employees basically by looking at productivity, and, and he just doesn't take any agile principles into account. He doesn't take any of Atlassian's actual advice on how to use their own tools into account. He just says with measurement tools like Atlassian's Jira, companies are going to put the hammer down on their employee. But will they? And to that, I say, have you ever tried to do top-down reporting in Jira alone? Good luck with that, buddy. There's a reason that we offer consultancy services for this kind of thing. It's hard. Yeah. That's why Uh, I have my job. He makes a lot of weird... um, sort of accusations. So he writes uh, uh, about the founders of Atlassian and their political involvement uh, and, you know, things that they speak at or conferences they attend or, or things they've written. And he writes, there is a connection between Atlassian's forays into the world of politics and its technocratic vision of the world. 
When you sell billions of dollars worth of management software, it is easy to think that tech innovation can solve all of the world's problems. So effectively saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, except uh, Atlassian, I think very explicitly, doesn't do that. Um, we had uh, the distinguished product manager, Sharif Mansour, on just a few weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so we have to put on our monocle and twirl our mustaches uh, every time we we talk with a distinguished product manager, even Brenda has to. Yep, uh, it's it's in the contract. I grew a mustache for exactly that purpose. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we nice. talked with him about you know kind of differences between Trello and Jira and Align and all these tools, and it you know I I had kind of been thinking like it, it does seem like there's a lack of alignment, like there's not a unifying philosophy, and he effectively said, yeah, by design, because different teams, different people need different tools, and that's okay. It's not you know, a hammer for every situation. And then particularly with point A uh, and Team Central and the things he's working on. And when you start reading uh, the stuff about the loop and uh, what their focus is, it's all about communication. It's not about solving it with software. You know, software sort of helps you with the communication, but it's actually about connecting people together and helping them to share ideas. It's, it's about the talking with one another. And, and in all fairness, and I wouldn't, will not get into politics on this podcast, but the work that can, that Scott and Mike do seems fairly benign or, or like constructive. I don't, I would say it's, it's constructive, yeah. constructive. It's not, it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. anybody I, that I know of. And I'm not going to, we're not going to get far into that, but wow, <laughs> this is like to associate building tools that help people communicate, collaborate and uh, make work a little better. If they're used well and people are talking about the work with like the stuff that this author goes in with it's just he's sorry buddy i mean I, look i get it man you, late stage capitalism is rough on us all but come on man wrong wrong company i i was just reading through there's a, a section of course we'll link to this but down in, in the section called hollow visions i he he quotes gavin mueller who i tried to look up before this podcast there's a bunch of different gavin mueller's who are also writers so I'm, i couldn't figure out which gavin mueller he's talking about and he doesn't cite any particular paper or book uh maybe because he doesn't know how to do references i don't know um but he writes technology <laughs> developed by capitalism furthers its goals dot 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 compels us to work more limits our autonomy and outmaneuvers and divides us when we organize to fight back and i'm familiar with a lot of different management software and I start trying to think through software, and specifically technology that compels us to work more and limits our autonomy and outmaneuvers us and divides us yes. when we organize to fight back. I can't think of any technology that outmaneuvers us and does it. It's, it's the people behind that's, it. That's a series of movies, though, isn't it? That's like the plot <laughs> of Terminator. Right? It could be, yeah, yeah. I really thought that the only software that tries to outmaneuver us is video right. or video games. Mm, yeah, fair. But, yeah, I think. But I those think, don't compel know, us to work. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite. Like they compel I, us and to I, play. I'm giving this a legit, like, hard think here, and I'm I'm trying to think of, but it's it's on how you use it. And we've read tons of articles about how Slack inhibits productivity and it causes interruptions and whatnot. But again, that's down to how to use it. Some reason you can't just close Slack and be and schedule, you know, put on your calendar. I'm working for four hours and you just work. You have to establish boundaries. You have to be clear about what you want out of life. You have to have healthy uh, practices with your team. You have to communicate. And it, it seems like Atlassian, it, the things they say and the things they write 
are about that communication side uh, and about sort of take care of each other. Matthew, how do I do all of that good stuff without something <laughs> telling me to do it? I need so- management software to tell me and to I do And I need those extra things, right? money when I do it because that's what cyber tailorism is yeah. all about. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah, it's, you know, we picked up on this partly because we look at all Atlassian stuff, right? That's, that's our job here on this podcast. Um, this is a thing about the Atlassian. I don't know how many reviews the Jacobin has, um, but, uh, it's not, it's small. not small. I know this is kind of like a, a key thing. I, this article just feels, uh, you're looking for something to lash out at and I you f- probably just picked the wrong target here. I think what it was was that he was listening to national public radio and just got annoyed mm, kept hearing about with all of the Atlassian sponsors. Yeah, he kept hearing you about know, that. Unleashing the power of teams. He got annoyed. Because that's what this article reads if, like. If this had been about Microsoft and SharePoint and Project, I probably would have been like, hmm, okay. <laughs> you could make that case. Uh, but uh, Atlassian, not so much. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. So that wraps up episode 119, Cyber Tailorists of the World Unite. We will not be joining you. (laughs) Thank you, dear listeners, uh, for spending this time with us today. Um, As always, we will link to everything we've referenced in the show notes. Uh, Find us wherever you obtain your fine podcast supply. Be sure to follow us on social at Adaptivist. Uh, whichever social you choose to use or maybe all of them we like follows on all platforms thank you again for listening on behalf of Ryan Spilken and Matthew Stubblefield I'm Brenda Burrell thank you so much I thought JMX was a rapper that's DMX I thought it was a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs>